What is good, guys? Welcome to the Top House Podcast, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu along with Kaden Mutamid, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So first, we have the Sunday night football game this past week against the Broncos and 49ers, where the Broncos won in a very interesting 11-10 win. So what is your takeaway from that game? Honestly, it was more of a defensive game, I feel like, for both teams. Um, there was no prominent like offensive push by either team. There was no time where they would just go down the field. It was always they either struggled toward the red zone or, as we saw, there's a safety and defensive ways that they incorporated to win the game. And I think that's ultimately what led them to win. I do agree. The Both defenses played extremely well. Both defenses kind of showed they're in the top 10 defense in the entire league, but offensively, both teams really need to get back into the drawing board and really need some serious revamping in order to complete for the playoffs because, oh man, that was brutal to watch on the offensive end. Definitely. And for the Broncos side, I think their defense, how with how they played, they played like a top five, maybe a top three defense in the entire league. In that game, the defense had four sacks, two fumble recoveries, one interception, and one safety. And that one safety could have been a pick six if, you know, grappled didn't step out of bounds. So... When looking at that game and you see the, how the Broncos attacked Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, what, what were you thinking when watching them? Well, honestly, I feel like, as you said, the Broncos def- defense was impressive, but it also kind of pointed out the lackluster abilities of the offensive line. I feel like there was a lot of times where I feel like the offensive line for the Niners was just letting co- contact get to Garoppolo, and that's what he, like really changed the game, in my opinion. I think the defense really took a next step which I was pretty surprised as a Broncos fan because Vic Fangio was an elite mastermind on the defensive end. So when they left, I had I had a little bit of doubts to see if they could you know perform back to how they were playing in the past couple seasons. But yes, or on Sunday, we saw that was you know it didn't matter if Fangio left. The new defensive coordinator, I, I honestly I'm gonna give him his props. He played such an incredible game. He's game planned such an incredible game for the Broncos defense to be able to play all these plays against Garoppolo, against the 49ers. And, you know, besides that 40-yard run from Jeff Wilson, I think they stopped the run pretty well. And besides from that second offensive, you know, possession for the 49ers where they went down the field, scored a touchdown, they kind of, they stuffed up uh, Debo Samuel. They locked down Kittle. They locked down Ayuk. And it was really great to see from the secondary. And I think their pass rush got a lot better from last year from what I've been seeing. You know, the addition with Randy Gregory and also... Um, Bradley Chubb, they off, they've been playing really well getting the pass rush on Garoppolo. But offensively, again, Denver has continued to struggle. The punter, Carlos Waitman, punted 10 times. <laughs> I mean, when someone has to punt the ball 10 times, that is a lot. That means your yeah. offense is not working. It's not on the same page, not getting the field. You know, they're not on the same page right now. Offensively, the run is getting stuffed. You know, the wide receivers, you know, they still need some more chemistry with Russell Wilson because, you know, I saw one play where it was like a play action. Judy was wide open, but Russell Wilson threw the ball a little too early and it was incomplete because it was out of Judy's hands. I mean, what is your reaction from the Denver offense? Um, Well, I think the adjustment in incorporating Russell Wilson into the offense and kind of changing his dynamic from Seattle to Denver has been a little slow to start. He has the weapons to do it. Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, as your primary receivers, you can't go wrong at all. I just think he's having trouble finding them when they're open. And the connects are just not there. And I feel like that's really just going to change with the season. But it was a good dub for them, for sure. I mean, Russell Wilson had 184 yards, but no touchdowns and no interceptions. And like 
the Cleveland Browns, like we talked about last week, they do also rely on the running game a lot. 27 carries combined for both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, which, you know, I respect that because both of them are starting caliber running backs. If you put Javante or Melvin Gordon to any other team, they're definitely starting for sure. So it's great to see them splitting carries, getting the run game involved. But the run game will only take you so far and on the passing side. Like, I really... I was really, really concerned because Sutton was the only offensive threat right now for Denver. He had eight receptions for 97 yards against for the 49ers on Sunday night. But besides Cortland Sutton, everyone else was kind of a non-factor. And I was kind of disappointed with Jerry Judy. And I think he was supposed to take a big step with uh, you know him being healthy now, him getting a quarterback upgrade. I thought that Judy could maybe even break out and take that wide receiver one role over Cortland Sutton. But right now, it seems like Sutton has been... You know, on target, he's been the one getting all the targets right now. More chemistry with Russell Wilson. And for the Broncos, I think they need to start getting more players involved too because with, you know, defenses now is targeting Cortland Sun now. Now, like, they know Cortland Sun's number one wide receiver. Yeah. So the other players need to really step up. Jerry Judy, um, KJ Hamler. They really do need to step up, get open because the loss of Tim Patrick, I, can, I think it really shows how much consistently Tim Patrick was wide open how much he was able to make plays for the offense. So with him going down in the uh, in the offseason with the torn ACL, it's kind of hard for you know the passing attack to get things going, especially with Sutton not being open sometimes. Jerry Judy also has a little, you know, hands issue with catching the ball. Sometimes he's open, but, you know, he'll drop the ball when he's wide open. So hopefully, you know, Denver can turn it around because their defense is playing phenomenal. So I feel like if... The offense could carry that momentum too, start to get things going. I think they could really take the AFC West over the Chiefs. Because right now, I don't know if you saw it, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders all lost Sunday. So mm-hmm. that that blew the AFC West wide open for any of those teams to take it away. So if the Broncos could get their offense going with the elite defense they have right now, they could very well contend in the AFC West, maybe make it to the Super Bowl. But let's talk about the 49ers side. Because Trey Lance went down, Garoppolo came in. And everyone was like, Garoppolo is here. The 49ers are back. Like, Trey Lance was holding them back. Garoppolo is going to take him back to the Super Bowl, back to the playoffs. But what we saw on Sunday night, it kind of proved a little otherwise. They're both kind of stagnated. They're both around the same. What is your reaction of how Garoppolo played? Well, there was definitely, like, times where I was, like, I really didn't understand what they were doing out there. Specifically, Jimmy Garoppolo, as seen when he literally backed up into the end zone and got a safety. But... Again, that was to to prevent a score, and honestly, that was a good job by him not letting the touchdown get, um, not letting the defense score a touchdown in response. But honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo's presence has changed the dynamic of this team, I feel like, going from a rush-first QB to a pass-first. I think that also with Kittle out, they're just down a couple weapons as well as Elijah Mitchell. Their offense is a little stagnant right now, but their defense still, with four sacks as well, they seemed impressive out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Garoppolo, I thought that maybe he would you know, help a little bit on the passing end, but what we saw on Sunday night, I think they're both the same with Lance and Garoppolo. They're about even in quarterback play. The only reason why maybe Lance would be a little better would be the rushing upside that he has. But they, he, I don't know, Garoppolo did not look good, especially besides that first or second drive where he let the team down into the touchdown, into the red zone and scored a touchdown with Brandon Ayuk. He looked horrible. Like, his decision-making was bad. Going to what you said about the safety, like, that safety, 
only reason why it wasn't a pick six was because he accidentally stepped out of bounds. He didn't intentionally step out of bounds. If you saw the footage, he was just backing up, backing up. Stepped out of bounds and then he threw it. And luckily, he stepped out of bounds because that would have been a pick six. But either way, if he didn't step out, it still didn't matter. It was either a pick six or still points. His decision making was not there. I mean, he could have ran out of the pocket, threw it out of bounds. Maybe reset it to where they were. But now his decision making has been horrible. They, he really does need to step it up. But... Is this a question of maybe bad QB play, or do you think it's a bad coaching scheme for the 49ers? Well, that that specific play, I definitely think was bad QB decision-making. But overall, I think that there's a... Uh, I have complete faith in Kyle Shanahan as a coach, but the offense just looks very dry out there. And as I, as I was saying earlier, it could be due to the injuries that they have, not having their primary tight end, not having their primary running back, and Debo Samuel being a non-factor all game. It's just... You, you you look at the offense and you expect so much out of it because they were they were rolling in the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. but just very stagnant today and really showed when the Jimmy Garoppolo would just not <laughs> be a factor as a quarterback I mean yeah I don't know because when I looked at that game it seemed like the offense was just completely out of sorts like I'm not sure what Debo Samuel was like I think with Kyle Shanahan's offense like everyone thought Debo Samuel's like this new you know, this new age, this new prototype of wide receivers now where they're able to play the run game and, you know, be a wide receiver. But I don't know. This season just seems different because Debo isn't the wide receiver one no more. I think it's Brandon Ayuk that's you know, has taken over that wide receiver one role for this 49ers. And, you know, Debo Samuel is just more of this Swiss Army knife where here we could play you in the running back, we could play you in the wide receiver. But... I don't know, this season just something seems off about this offense where it's not clicking like we saw last season where they made it all the way to the NFC Championship. Yeah, something's just off about this offense. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's Garoppolo. Maybe it's a change of quarterbacks. Maybe it's you know, the offensive coordinator or Shanahan. I'm not sure what it is, but for the 49ers, they do really need to figure this out because the NFC West is wide open right now with the Cardinals not playing well. And you still have the Rams on the top, but... The Rams are looking a little shaky as well. Of course. So the NFC West is wide open. Like, you know, any team could take the number one seed for the NFC West. Same thing with the AFC West as well. But I want to talk about this one guy in particular for the 49ers, which really intrigued me when I was watching. The safety teller Noah Hufanga. I think he's going to be super special for the 49ers. When I saw him play, maybe it's the hair as well. <laughs> Dude, he remind me of a mini Troy Polamalu. I'm not sure if you saw that during the 49ers game. What are your thoughts about him? Honestly, didn't know his name, but I saw him out there, and I saw what he was doing. And he was just being very, very active, something I saw similar to Troy Polamalu, as I see your comparison. Um, he does definitely have potential. I don't know if I'd say that level, but um, definitely someone to look out for in the future on that defense. I mean, he, he made so much plays for the 49ers defense. I think he was a key reason why, you know, the uh, the Broncos had to punt so many times, had to, you know, look look like their offense was really stagnated. He was just all over the field, whether that would be blowing up the run, going from field to field, sideline to sideline, making plays. I, there's this one play in particular when I was watching. It was a, uh, a play action. And Russell Wilson got the ball, played action, faked the run to Melvin Gordon. But I saw Hufanga. And I knew Hufanga was going to blow up that play right from the start because he timed that jump perfectly. He, he timed the snap perfectly. He really ran through the whole defense. Excuse me. He ran through the whole offensive line and blew it up. There was nowhere. If it was a run, Melvin Gordon would have been stuffed. It was a play action. Russell Wilson would have been sacked. And, you know, the way that he's just able to time plays to be at the right place at the right time. 
And, you know, he doesn't really get interceptions that much because it's also week three, so it's a little early. But I, the way that he's just been playing has been phenomenal. He was the number two rated safety, according to PFF, going into week three. So he's going to be phenomenal for the 49ers. He's going to, you know, take a big part if the 49ers are going to make it to the playoffs or maybe the Super Bowl this year. So now let's move on to the Dolphins and Bills game where the Dolphins won 21-19 to in a very, very exciting, thrilling finish. So what are your takeaways from that game? Most of all, I feel like we saw the Dolphins emerge as favorites. Favorites not only in the AFC East with this with these two teams battling it out, but I could say even the total AFC. With their new coach as well, they're improving a lot during the season, and I would not be surprised if they were in the Super Bowl. Not only was their defense spectacular, but their offense thrived against a stellar defense. Although they were down Micah Hyde and Jordan, Jordan Palmer, I think they were just missing some pieces in their in their secondary that prevented them from being at their full potential but at the same time that's no excuse the bills went into the game knowing their knowing their position and still did not come out on top and so i do give credit to the dolphins for taking this home yeah like you said the dolphins after this game i do think they are a legit afc contender i mean their defense i think really surprised me they held the bills to only 19 points after the bills and the previous two games scored on an average of 36 points per game. So holding them down to 19, that's incredible. Shout out to the defense. They played great. And they also held Stefan Diggs to only 74 yards. And for any other receiver, 74 yards, hey, that's a pretty good game. Like, congratulations. But Stefan Diggs over those two games had over 110 receiving yards those past two games before going to week three against the Dolphins. Crazy. He was, he was going, crazy. going crazy. So the fact that the Dolphins were able to shut Stefan Diggs down and also, you know, Limit Josh Allen. I wouldn't say they stopped him, but I think they did a good job containing him. And offensively, they didn't have the best of games, as we saw. But they were still able to pull it through, which was the reason why I think they are now an AFC contender. Because the way they played on defense really showed how much potential they can have. Because they played both, side, both sides of the field. Last week, in week two, we saw what the offense could do. Now, with this week, we saw what the defense can do. So if you combine the two... They are going to be a really tough team to beat. And Jalen Waddle, I think he is the real deal. He might be the wide receiver one for this offense, maybe. Four receptions, 102 yards on the game. Tyreek Hill didn't have the best of games. Shout out to the Bills defense. I think they did a good job containing him. But, I mean, with those two speedsters, one of them has to go off. He can only contain so much speed for that offense. And for the Bills side, I do have a concern with the Buffalo Bills. They think Josh Allen is this Superman, kryptonite guy that is going to take him over over the top. He's their superhero. He cannot be touched. But I think the way they've been using him in the first three weeks, Josh Allen is really going to run out of steam. The way he played, it was kind of like LeBron in 2018 when he Caring. had to bat hack the whole team. Yeah. Josh Allen threw the ball 63 times, Caden. 63 times That's crazy. for 400 yards and two touchdowns. And not only did he throw the ball 63 times, he also rushed 8 times for 47 yards. So the large efficiency and volume of plays Josh Allen has been making for this team can really bite them later on in the season when he might go down with an injury because of all this wear and tear on his body. Maybe his you know, his arm strength might go down. His fatigue is going to start setting in. Maybe his decision making is not going to be you know as well because with all of this pressure, all this you know, volume of plays thrown upon Josh Allen to do something with this Bills offense. I think it's going to really take him down. It might be, you know, a 
red flag instead of you know something yeah that's positive and something i wanted to mention is that with the playoffs being single game and elimination you need everybody to be at full strength so if you have 80 80 75 percent of josh allen ready to try and lead your team and the team is gonna perform how they did to like in this game i don't see them going to the super bowl i don't see them going deep in the playoffs because josh allen while he's a fantastic quarterback we saw it 42 for 63 the efficiency is good there the 400 yards are there the the touchdowns are also there and the rushing he's doing it all but no one else is and mm-hmm. so it really comes down to the fact that he has no help and he's he's going to get overworked and i feel like if that continues then they're just not going to be able to sustain this far into the postseason so how do you think you're able to you know maybe change this a little bit how, how do you think you're going to solve this because josh allen is the quarterback they do have a lot of pressure but how do you think you're going to solve this issue right here with you know maybe having josh allen play more conservatively what do you think well i think they need to take advantage of the run game more while they did have their players play like their running backs involved a little bit as we saw as we saw the most rushing yards for anyone in this team was josh allen and that can't be the case mm-hmm. you have devin singletary who's a power back who's able to get yards um a decent amount of yards per carry and james cook is a threat on the the receiving side of things like you have the talent there zach moss is also a power back as well you have these players i think you need to take advantage of them more seeing the devin singletary got shut down nine carries for 13 yards that's unacceptable and james cook barely getting the touches that he did more so on the receiving end that's solid but you just need more help from your running backs because if josh allen's going to be doing all the throwing you're just not going to win do you think it's because of the Dolphins game plan trying to stop the run and force Josh Allen to throw the ball or is it just a matter of poor run play poor offensive linemen on run blocking um I think it's a combination of both but I also think it's heavily influenced by the Dolphins defense we saw that Javon Holland had a spectacular game recording one and a half sacks and just being involved I'm pretty sure he had a large amount of tackles as well I'm not sure what the count on that is but he was everywhere that night and so just seeing him dominate this game it really put a perspective on how good this defense can be and i think that's the main reason that the rushing the the rushers didn't really they weren't that involved but yeah no credit to the defense oh no yeah i mean this bills team really had a really tough time playing against this dolphins defense but let's take away to the last two minutes maybe even the last minute that really honestly scared me a time bit about the dolphins because we all know that <laughs> yeah. butt punt was a little funny but mm-hmm. um the Bills at the last second. Let's take about that last play right there. So Josh Allen skips the pocket, throws it to McKenzie, trying to get you know trying to get extra yardage to get into a field goal. Mm-hmm. Do you think he should have got more out of bounds or what, what do you think? Well, on that play specifically, the time ended up running out, and Isaiah McKenzie did a cut inward to the left to try and get not. I don't think it was more yardage, but I really think that if he tried going to the sideline, he would have gotten tackled in bounds anyways. So mm-hmm. I really think in that case, there's really nothing you can do. Besides, uh, like, you really can't do anything about it. And mm. so I think he would have been tackled in bounds regardless of whether he cut inward or still kept going outward. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be too concerned about the Buffalo Bills with this game because, to be fair, that game was pretty, pretty brutal. Playing in that weather, it's Miami, oh, it's man. humid, it's hot, the sun's beating down on them. So I'm not too concerned about the Buffalo Bills. I think they'll be okay. I think a main reason why like some of these plays were happening, some of these bad performances, you know, Stefan Diggs, he didn't really get shut down. I think a large part of it at the end was because he started having cramps due to the uh, hot weather. Yeah. So I think the Bills are just going to be fine. 
they're still going to be, you know, I think they're still going to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl because it's Josh Allen. The defense is great. Um, the offense is great. I think they'll be just fine. I think it's just mm. the, the weather as well played a yeah. big factor. Yeah, going off that, like, you could see how prominent of a factor it was when as the t- time ended, yeah. everyone just collapsed to the oh, ground. Oh, man. You like, just, they all just, yeah. You just couldn't, like, you couldn't stand up and that weather killed. The Miami weather is just different. So It is. Yeah. All right, now let's transition to our last topic of the day. Week three, about a fifth-ish, a fifth of the season completed. Award predictions. So why not? Let's just throw in some very early predictions right now. So let's save the best for last. Let's start. Let's go with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Who do you have on that one? For me, I honestly was looking around a little bit. I was unsure at first, but then a name popped in my head. The head out of Atlanta, currently thriving in Mar- Mariota's offense. I'm going to go with Drake London as my offensive rookie of the year. Wow, very surprisingly. No way I got that too. Drake London, I do think, is also the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's overtaken Kyle Pitts as the number one passing uh, threat for the Atlanta Falcons. He's been having such a great season to start out. And we saw this coming from USC. He was just oh, a yeah. spectac- spectacular player in college, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think week two was his coming out party where yeah. he was able to, you know, make plays, get open, make receptions, touchdowns. But I think a name you have to also consider, too, is Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. After that week two performance where he had two touchdowns, helped the Jets come back against the Browns. That's a name that we should also look out for for your offensive rookie of the year. For sure. And I don't think that they'll be that Garrett Wilson will truly like emerge as a potential until Zach Wilson's back and healthy again. So it'll be interesting to see how those two work together. So for defensive rookie of the year, who do you have winning that one? Oh man, um, the supposed the person who I thought was gonna be the number one pick of the draft, the guy thriving down in Detroit right now, getting sacks every game. I'm gonna go with Aiden Hutchinson. There's no way we got this two for two. <laughs> <laughs> I do also have Aiden Hutchinson winning defensive rookie of the year, but I I think it go fifty fifty either way for me. I was choosing either between him or Sauce Gardner. Um, the reason why I chose Aiden Hutchinson was because this. The stats kind of go in favor for Hutchinson. I think it's easier for a pass rusher to accumulate more stats that will help him with you know winning a award because he does have what two to three sacks already during yeah. the year, yeah. a couple of QB hits, a lot, a couple of QB pressures. So I think the stats kind of back up Aiden Hutchinson more than Sauce Gardner. I think for a cornerback, it's kind of harder to prove if you're a uh, you know defensive uh, defensive player of the year because there's so many statistics, so many you know things that you have to worry about to see for a cornerback, such as maybe how much yards he's giving up, how much interceptions, deflections, you know, pass targeted, you know, all of this. There's just so much stuff to evaluate for a cornerback. And I feel like just because there's so much stuff on that, it's just easier to give it to a guy that proves it on the box score. So, but I do think Sauce Gardner does have a great chance if he does, you know, start getting some interceptions. But, I mean, the way he's been playing for the Jets this year, it's been incredible. It's just kind of sucks to see that he probably won't get defensive rookie or defensive rookie of the year because of the stats for the cornerbacks is just a little lower than than how much, you know, uh, an edge rusher can put up for the stats on the box score. And who do you think is going to be the comeback player of the year? I think we all know who yeah, this one's going to be. We we agreed on this one as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, Saquon Barkley is just outperforming everybody on the other side of the team whether it's the entire like the defense the the defensive linemen the the linebackers he's just getting by everyone and he's doing it with ease he looks like he's in the prime of his career still and it's good to see that he has the same speed and versatility that he did pre-injury 
I do agree as well as we knew this. Saquon Barkley is my comeback player of the year so far. I mean, I love Saquon Barkley. I loved him since he came out of Penn State. He's been one of my favorite running backs. It really hurt when I saw him go down with injury two years in a row. And for him to come back right now, have such a successful year so far. Hopefully, you know, he does stay healthy. I really want him to stay healthy. It's good for him. It's great so far. The game yesterday on Monday night, he played extraordinary. Had that big 36-yard touchdown run against, you know, the Cowboys. It's been great to see Saquon Barkley back and healthy. And although they did lose this... You know, the Giants lost against the Cowboys. They're um, still over. In, yeah. my, in my opinion, they're over overperforming right now, and that's due to a large part of Saquon. But also, I've honestly been impressed with Daniel Jones as, as well. Oh yeah, his ability to run, I think, is getting close. I, this is going to be a little bit debatable, but I can see flashes of Josh Allen in his run There's game. There's no shot. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, I think he's very versatile. He's a big dude, and he just is has the ability to carry the ball with force, and that's something similar I see in Josh Allen as well. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones could step up his passing a little bit. His passing still needs some work, yeah, but definitely. no, I do like his running ability. He's been great maneuvering around the pocket, you know, getting you know the run game a little going. You know, yeah. that little, what is it, that little read option he does too is great for the, the Giants as well. I think credit to Brian Dable because he came from the Bills, came to the Giants. He's been a great, I think he's played a big factor on why this offense has been succeeding for the Giants. But yeah, Saquon yep. Barkley, comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. We all knew that one. That's about coach of the year. This is going to be up for debate. Ooh. There's a okay. lot of great coaches out here, but who do you have for coach um, of the year? Honestly, I am going to go with Old Faithful. I feel like Sean McDermott has done a great mm-hmm. job with the Bills, and they're still in my mind the favors to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So for now, I think that I'm going to pick Sean McDermott to win the coach of the year, but it could go several different ways. Interesting. This is going to be a hot take. I'll never be ready for this one. Coach of the year, I have Doug Peterson from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Interesting. Interesting. I know. I know. Doug Peterson. But this is why I think the yes, the, the game on Sunday where the Jaguars completely destroyed the Chargers. They looked I mean, really good. They looked, they really looked good. so good. Trevor Lawrence looks like that number one phenomenal prospect, the generational talent we've been, you know, seeing since his days in Clemson. And I mean, when you don't have Urban Meyer as your head coach, you can only go so far on offense. I mean, we all knew the Jaguars were going to be better on offense with Doug Peterson coming in, but we didn't think it was going to be this well with the way they're playing on offense, the way they've been utilizing the run, the way they've been passing the ball. And Christian Kirk, man. Christian he's been Kirk. good. He's been worth the money. I th- really thought that they just paid him way too much, but the role did, he's playing yeah. right now, I think is worth the money that they're paying him for sure. Oh, man, they've been playing great. I mean, the run game as well, like James Robinson. James Robinson I don't know if he had Jesus in him or I don't know what it is. Like... <laughs> Like, God gave him new Achilles from heaven. I yeah. mean, he's been looking phenomenal. And his... Travis Etienne, too. Like, that oh, yeah. combo, that one-two punch is just crazy right now. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville, they're looking great. They're number, they're number one in the AFC South right now, which is kind of bizarre to believe. Yeah. But, hey, I mean, shout-out to them. They've been playing great so far. Hopefully, they can keep this up. Hopefully, it's not just a three-game wonder. You know, last year, we kind of saw the Carolina, Carolina Panthers doing the same exact thing where they came out 3-0. and and then we all know where the season ended. Yeah. So hopefully the Jaguars <laughs> keep this momentum up because I really like them. I like what they're. I like the direction they're going in. I like what they're standing for. Now, shout out to them. Hopefully they keep playing, playing great throughout the season. Now we're getting to the big boy topics. Now, yep. Defensive player of the year. Who do you have for that one? Um. So, just 
scanning over the few weeks that we've seen so far, I think I've been very impressed with, in general, the cornerback play throughout the league, and specifically one person on the Philadelphia Eagles, Darius Slay, who mm. was absolutely a monster in their game in their last game, recording, I believe, two interceptions, two almost interceptions, but passive, count as pass deflections, and just locking up during the entirety of the game. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. I have Micah Parsons still for this one. Just because the way edge rushes are just able to accumulate so much stuff, like so much stats on the box score, it's going to make it hard for like a cornerback to you know prove why they're worthy of the defensive player of the year. Definitely. And last year we saw TJ Watt win it with those 22 sacks. Micah Parsons, he's been looking great so far. He's been able to stuff the run, get QB pressure, sacks. He's been looking phenomenal for this Cowboys defense. But yeah, I mean, a couple of names. It's kind of it's kind of hard to evaluate defensive players so far right now. It's only been three weeks. Every week is a little different. But I'm gonna still stick with the preseason favorite, Micah Parsons, to win this award. And what about offensive player of the year? Who do you have for winning this one? I have a very interesting take for offensive player of the year. I think this man has thrived throughout the first two weeks. He had a not even a bad game this week, but. I think it was seven receptions for 74 yards. The man of the Bills. I think it's going to be another wide receiver for Offensive Player of the Year this year. I'm going to take Stephon Diggs. There's no way we have the same idea for that one. Really? I do have Stephon Diggs winning Offensive Player of the Year this year as well. I mean, the first two weeks, I think, just kind of set the story of who's you know the clear-cut favorite Offensive Player of the Year. The way he's just been getting open, he torched Jalen Ramsey week one against the Rams. Week two, he just torched the Titans secondary like they were playing Madden. <laughs> on rookie level, I mean, man, oh man, he was, what, 10 receptions, 148 yards, 3 touchdowns, I mean, that was just a great performance from here, all around talent, he's been phenomenal, he's been elite, if he could keep this up, I do think, yeah, he's clear favorite offensive player of the year, but I think Josh Allen does have a, you know, Josh Allen does have a factor playing in offensive player of the year as well, I'm not, I'm not sure other names, maybe, can you think of other names for offensive player of the year right now? Um... Thinking of other names for Offensive Player of the Year, I feel like Patrick Mahomes could be in that conversation as well. I don't see him winning MVP. That's just my personal take. I don't think that the Chiefs are going to be atop the AFC West, and so therefore I don't think that they're going to be that team. Uh huh. But um, honestly, for Offensive Player of the Year, I looked more toward receivers and running backs. And yeah. Their running back play has been solid so far, but no one's really stood out. The wide receivers, as I said, for me, it's been Stephon Diggs and the QBs. It's been Justin Herbert, it's been Lamar Jackson, it's been Josh Allen, all the top dogs really as we'd expect them to be there. So nothing's really sticking out for me other than that. For sure. I mean, Cooper Cup does, you know, maybe have a little bit of say in the Offensive Player of the Year, but we'll see later on. It's a little early, but right now we do have Stefan Diggs winning Offensive Player of the Year. And now for the heated debate, who is your early season MVP? My early season MVP is going to be a very interesting take. This guy is a very young player out of Alabama. Now, he is known to be a rush-dominant QB, but I've seen him emerge as a great passer this year with the weapons that he has in Devontae Smith Mm -hmm. and A.J. Brown. I really think that Jalen Hurts has a good, good shot to win the MVP this year. And we've seen the team succeed. We've seen that team succeed. Their defense is spectacular, and their offense is looking very good. Devontae Smith had an insane game yesterday. And going back a a week before that, A.J. Brown put up a stellar game. You're just seeing so many different options available within this offense. I think they're going to do damage. Huh. 
Very interesting. Jalen Hurts. I'm not mad. He is a great pick for MVP. He's been looking phenomenal. I've, I loved him. You know, he's been great. But I'm gonna have a different take for this one. I do have Lamar Jackson winning MVP. He is worthy for all the money that he should be being paid for. Lamar Jackson, phenomenal. I mean, he already has 12 passing touchdowns in the first three weeks. I mean, that is incredible for someone that's clowned as a running back playing quarterback. I mean, he's been looking great. He doesn't have that many passing yards, but there's no reason for him to because back-to-back weeks in week two and week three, he's been rushing over 100 yards. I mean... This guy's looking back like he's back in 2019 where he won MVP unanimously. This guy's been really great. Ravens should be 3-0 right now if they didn't have that collapse against the Dolphins in Week 2. He's been looking so good carrying this Ravens team to where they are now. I mean, you could also make a, an argument that he has less receiving options than he had last year. Because they don't have Marquise Brown now. They only have Mark Andrews. Uh, Rashawn Bateman is, and you know, he's a very raw talent. He's inconsistent. But he's not going to be your wide receiver one. Rashawn Bateman's yeah. your wide receiver one. Something's, there's a problem. Devin Duvernay's your wide receiver two. So if you look at their wide receiver court throughout the whole NFL, they're not any near the top. So to see where the Ravens are 2-1 right now, should be 3-0. Lamar Jackson has been, honestly, he's been the number one reason why they've been 2-1, almost 3-0 because of the way he's been playing, the way he's been running, making plays. He's been looking so great for the for the Ravens right now. Mm-hmm. And one thing notably to mention, um, J.K. Dobbins is now back in the lineup. We saw that in Sunday against the Patriots, and he looked awfully good. He, I believe, was around six yards per carry for each of his carries. And just seeing someone that could take over and not have the whole um, rushing side of things put onto Lamar Jackson, that's going to ease some stuff for him too, and I think it's going to lead to him thriving more. And definitely, he is a very good pick for the MVP. Interesting. So, we'll see later on. It's only week three. We'll see. We'll come back in, like, maybe another three, four weeks to see who is our MVP again. And maybe for someone who is completely wrong at <laughs> yeah. the end of the season, we'll have a punishment. But we'll see. We'll see. So, that's all we have for today and for more episodes. Check out Top House Podcast on Spotify. I'm Hansel Chiu along with Kaden Motamid, and we'll see you next time.